So you love creating content for social media and it's crossed your mind once or twice. What if I could get paid to do this? In today's episode of Creator Club, I'm going to share with you exactly how I did just that. Now, let's be honest. It's not exactly in my best interest to share this information. In the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to know to essentially create a viable competitor to my business. However, because I really am in the mindset of community over competition, I'm going to spill the beans and tell you what I know. I really think there is enough room for many, many more social media marketers and agencies to join this industry. It is only continually growing in terms of the client base and people that want help with this. And the thing about social media is it's so personal. It's about authenticity, showing your personality. And therefore, from a client's perspective, it's so important to find a marketer that vibes with you, understands where you're coming from, and can help communicate your voice authentically. So that's really why I don't believe in the concept of competition in this industry. We are all here to help our own ideal clients in different ways and to create content that will really resonate with them and their audiences. So that's why I'm going to share all my secrets. I'm going to tell you how I created my own social media marketing agency that is now officially a six-figure business, baby. That's right. I crossed the 100K in revenue mark at the end of October. That's just for 2020. And I'm going to tell you exactly how you can do it too. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Creator Club Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Steckley, YouTube creator and creative entrepreneur. The Creator Club Podcast is a workshop-style show dedicated to teaching creators and entrepreneurs the best strategies for social media marketing and content creation. Whether you're into Instagram, creating on YouTube, trying TikTok, or producing podcasts, this show is made for you. And because here at Creator Club, we believe in teaching everything you know, and the community is more important than competition, this club is open to everyone. Come and join us. Before we get into this week's episode, I have to give a shout out to the writer of this week's review of the week, Allison Janelle. Allison writes, breath of fresh air. Oh my goodness, this podcast is exactly what I need right now. I just listened to your episode on starting a podcast. I was literally saying yes, yes, yes the entire time. It was short, sweet, to the point, and exactly what I needed to hear. Thanks. Well, thank you, Allison. I really appreciated your review. It means so much to me to see that five-star rating and that my podcast episodes have been helpful to you. I feel like we've got a really beautiful little community here in the Creator Club podcast, and so I love hearing from you all. If you want to have your review read on the next episode, then you're going to have to write one. So head over to the Apple Podcasts app. Maybe you're already there. Maybe that's where you're listening to me. And go and click on the title of my show, Creator Club Podcast, and you should be able to scroll down and see the Write a Review button. And there you can let me know what you thought of the show and leave me a rating if you wouldn't mind. I really do appreciate it. It's the number one way you can help me continue to grow this show and continue to be able to spend more time on it and put more effort into writing these episodes for you. Okay, let's get into the content. If you've listened to this show for a while, you'll know I'm a big fan of lists. Today, I've got a five-point list for you because if it's not three points, it's got to be five. We all know that. So let's get into point number one, 
which is to tell you how I got started as a social media marketer. Here's a little bit of my background in case you haven't heard it before. I started my entrepreneurial journey when I was in my second year of university studying English. In the summer after my second year, I was asked by my old summer camp to go in and film a promotional video interviewing some of the campers, filming some of the programming um, for them to put on their website so that they could, you know, advertise the camp, get campers in, in the future. If you're curious, it's a music camp. I played viola when I was there. So that's a fun, obscure Katie fact. Anyway, at the time, I had been making YouTube videos for many years because I did all through my years as a teenager. And I think that's how some of the camp staff knew that I could make a video is because, you know, I'd been making YouTube videos ever since I went to camp there and before that, etc. So that was really the first time that I realized that I could get paid to make creative content. Like I'd been making videos for free for like seven or eight years at that point. And then I was like, dang, somebody wants to pay me for this. That is wild. So after that, that's really what set me on the path of doing this as a side hustle. And it really was kind of like a part-time job for me in university. From then on, I would pick up gigs here and there, either on campus, like different departments or organizations on campus that were looking for videos or for other like connections through family, friends, etc. So I did that on a part-time basis all through school. And after I finished my second internship in I guess third internship really of university, I started to realize like, I don't know if I want to do this corporate thing. Like I don't really want to do a regular nine to five where I go and sit at a desk all day. (laughs) Funny because that is kind of what I do now, but I do it for myself. Anyway, I just remember at one of the jobs I did, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans to work. And I was kind of like, as a grown up, like when I graduate, I want to be able to do something where I can wear whatever I want. Like I, I don't want this like restricted lifestyle where I'm kind of working towards somebody else's goals. I want to work towards my own. And so when I kind of realized that desire for entrepreneurship and I had this side hustle going, I was like, you know, why can't I just make this my full-time job? Like I'm going to figure out how I can do this freelance videography thing and do it full time when I graduate. So when I got to the point of graduation, I was like, I'm going to dive in, I'm going to do this. And that was in the spring of 2018. And it wasn't until probably the end of 2019 that I was really making like a reasonable income from it. Now, during that entire time, I was slowly having my clients shift more towards questions about social media and how they can best use the videos I was making for them. So I was producing these promotional videos that for a lot of them would just go and sit on their website. And I started having clients asking like, where can we post this? Like what platform would make sense? What kind of caption should we write? What hashtags should we use? And it turned out that I had advice about that because I'd been using social media for myself and researching it myself because I was just always curious about it for many years. So I started to help clients with the social media side of things. And I'll be honest, I really didn't want to be a social media manager. Like I felt really strongly that that is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to create the content and pass it off to people I didn't want to manage their communities. And this is why it really felt inauthentic to me to comment on somebody else's behalf because I really, I just felt like it it needed to be a real personal connection. That's always been a priority to me. 
So at the time I was like, how am I supposed to reply to your comments? How am I supposed to do your engagement on your behalf? Like, I don't know who your audience is or who you are. But since then I've realized obviously the importance of knowing your client and building a relationship with them and getting to know them. And that's why at this point in my business, just as a bit of transparency, we don't do engagement work for new clients. We only start doing engagement work on people's Instagrams if they want that, you know, several months into a content creation contract with them because we need to know them and their audience in order to really feel like we can do authentic work for them. So anyway, that's why I had such resistance to being a social media manager back then. I was okay with giving advice and creating content for people, but I was like, no, I can't pretend to be you online. But you know, that was just, that was a part of my early journey. So anyway, as time went on, um, I eventually actually, you know, as I was still trying to build my freelance videography business, I reached out to a realtor and I offered house tour videos. I was like, you know what? This can really help sell your listings. I'll come in and do a walkthrough video. I had this shiny new gimbal that did really steady footage. And I was really excited about it. And basically she was like, thanks for reaching out. I don't want any house tour videos, but I do want to start a podcast and a YouTube channel. And I was like, what? This is so cool. I was so pumped to create content for the kind of platforms that I was passionate about, YouTube, podcast, Instagram, and get paid for it. I was like, yo, I'm like a content creator, but I'm just doing it for somebody else. This is rad. I was excited about the creation part, right? Another piece of why I didn't want to be a social media manager, quote unquote, is because I didn't want to schedule somebody else's subpar content. Like I didn't feel like I wanted to take somebody else's content and then just like throw it up in later and, you know, manage comments or whatever. Like that didn't appeal to me. I wanted to create it because I also knew that I was never going to be able to promise somebody real growth unless I was designing high quality content that I knew would actually connect with people. And this isn't as much a thing anymore, but I feel like at the time social media management was really just like kind of receiving the creative and the content from your client and then sort of managing it for them, right? Not really creating. So I, I loved the idea of being a content creator for my client. And slowly after I got that contract, I started doing more content creation and taking on more clients that that wanted similar things, especially in the podcasting world. I found there was huge demand there for people that wanted to start podcasts, but didn't want to figure out the technical side of it, which I knew very well because I, I, you know, started at this point, I've launched, I don't know, probably, I don't know, over a dozen, maybe two dozen podcasts. So I'm very familiar with how to do it. Anyway, that was kind of my life. And then in March of 2020, that is really what cemented my transition to the world of social media marketing, because as we're all very familiar with by this point in time, we could no longer do in-person stuff. So any of the shoots that I had for in-person clients, like that was all canceled until further notice, everything that I did became fully remote, which it's actually really cool. I was kind of nervous about it at the time, but now I am loving it. I love being location independent and really transitioning to the social media content creation stuff is what has enabled me to be location independent, which I feel really grateful for. So that was a long winded, hopefully wasn't too boring version of how I started out as a social media marketer, my kind of windy path towards it, because that's not, I want to be a filmmaker. Like that's what I wanted to do back then. I was like, you know what? I'll do filmmaking for clients. And then I also want to be like a travel documentarian. And now I edit podcasts and create Instagram content. So you never know where life's going to take you. I think 
the freelance videography part was actually very significant in my journey because it set me apart as somebody who was very, very proficient in video editing and like I can create motion graphics and I can edit podcasts very quickly. So there's all these different pieces to that journey that kind of set me apart as a social media marketer, I believe, because not every social media marketer is an expert video editor, but I edited videos professionally for years before I got into the social media thing. So that's me. That's my uh, unique value proposition, I guess. But yeah, everybody's journey looks different, but that's how I got where I am now. That was number one. The second thing I want to tell you out of my five part list is how to develop your offerings. I think this is a big question that a lot of social media marketers have. Um, you're sort of like, I know that I want to help people with social media content, but how, like, what do I offer? Like, how do I get people to buy my services? What do I even include in my services? So I personally developed my offerings over time. So let me walk you through exactly what I offer so I can give you a sense of exactly what my social media agency does. There's three main parts to it. The first one is podcasting. So when it comes to podcasts, my team and I edit podcasts for creators. We also help with launching it and we have a couple other services related to launching like creating podcast artwork and designing intro and outros and all that good stuff. So when a client comes to me and they want to launch a podcast, we walk them through all of the steps of recording their intro and outro, picking music for them. We edit it together. Then they record their episodes. We get those episodes all edited and polished up nicely. And then I go in and I create an RSS feed for them. I submit it to Apple, Spotify, Google, all those places. And then we transition to a month to month contract where we are editing their weekly podcasts. So that's one third kind of of what we do. Really, it's about a half. We do have a lot of clients doing the podcast thing. The second thing we do is Instagram and we have a primary Instagram offering, which is the Instagram content creation and coaching package. And what this looks like is when a client comes on with us, they get a one hour session with us every month where we talk about strategy. We talk about what their goals are, what offerings they have, what they want to communicate to their audience and what's important to them. And then me and my team go away with that information and we design a custom content calendar and strategy for them, including what's the topic of the post going to look like? What are your content pillars? What's your schedule going to look like? Are we going to do a lot of videos? Are we going to do images? Are we going to do graphics? What's that going to look like for them? Then we present the client with that content calendar. And usually there's a few things we need from them, whether it is sort of bullet point notes so that we can get their knowledge and expertise around their subject matter so that we can write on it. And then we also get photos and videos and whatever other media we need from them. Once we have all of that, we write the captions, research the hashtags, plan out the exact schedule, edit the photos, create the graphics, edit the videos. And then by the end of that month, because this whole process takes about a month, we deliver a complete content package of 20 posts, which works out to be about four posts a month. And we have those scheduled all nicely inside later and ready to post on autopilot for our client. So that's kind of what the Instagram process looks like. I feel like we've gotten it down to a very good schedule that works really well for the team and works really well for clients. The signature thing about the Instagram content creation and coaching program is that it very much is collaborative. It is not the kind of thing as a client where you can just pop in and go completely hands off because I really believe that in order for it to be high quality, authentic content, it needs to come from the heart. It really needs to be something that feels like it's coming from that person. And and it does because it's their knowledge and expertise that we use. We don't 
just Google around and try to find fun facts or content for captions. We really take that person's information and we get to know their style of writing and we make sure that it is authentic and feels like them. The third part of the business is YouTube services. I'll be honest, this is a smaller one because I just have less clients on the roster right now that are interested in YouTube channels, but we edit YouTube videos, design channel banners. We do a lot of YouTube SEO work for our our bigger clients that, that we help out. So we figure out what titles are gonna be the most optimized, what descriptions and tags, and we design thumbnails and, and all of that stuff. So. That is kind of a look at the different offerings. So for me, I really am the kind of person that loves all of these different platforms. I know for you, for some social media managers, you might have a real specialization in just Instagram or even just video content on Instagram or something like that. But for me, what I really love to do is create a a cross-platform strategy. So for some clients that we work with, we will do their Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, like all these different things because as we work with certain clients, we will take on a wider span of responsibilities that are kind of outside the initial offerings. And that's something you navigate as you go. But I really do love creating this holistic approach of a strategy that's across platforms. So that's why I like offering all those different offerings, but also just because it keeps it interesting. I don't think that I would have as much joy if all I ever did was podcast editing. So I like doing the Instagram stuff too. And, and that's just my preference, but it really depends on what you're interested in and what you feel comfortable offering when it comes down to it. So that's a big explanation. I just want to say I did not come up with all this overnight. It was developed through necessity, really. Over time, I had requests for different kinds of services and I didn't offer them before. So then I would come up with a pricing plan and outline of what was included and then I would send it to the client. So for example, my first ever like podcast launch client that I helped with was actually Sarah Nicole from The Birds Papaya. So if you don't follow her on Instagram, then you definitely need to. And by now her podcast and her Instagram account have just grown astronomically since I worked with her. But when she first started the Papaya podcast, I helped her launch it. I edited her episodes. I helped her figure out what her microphone setup should be. And eventually she got picked up by Dear Media and that's who she works with now. But when she reached out to me, I didn't have have podcast offerings. We actually knew each other because my friend and I had a local podcast that we interviewed her for. And so then she knew that I obviously knew how to make podcasts because I interviewed her on one. And when she reached out, I was like, I guess I need to come up with a pricing plan. So I figured out what the offering could look like. I had a basic standard and premium, different versions of basically how long the podcast could be, if I would make social content, if I would do the publishing, or if I would just do the editing. And then once I had that as a quote that I basically just sent to her. And then I was like, I guess I could put this on my website and see if other people would like that same service. So that's kind of what's happened for a lot of these things. You know, Instagram is a similar thing. I had requests for people wanting help with Instagram. And I thought, what can I make this look like that's going to be efficient and something that we can scale for multiple clients. And so that's how I developed it. The thing is, though, you really kind of need to do both. You need to come up with your menu options is how I think of it. But then you also need to change them as people request for different things. 
I think that you need to have a bit of a menu so that people can get an understanding when they're on your website of like, well, what can she even do for me? But at the same time, you need to remain a little bit flexible so that you can bring on those clients when they're a good fit. You know, not every client is going to come looking for exactly what you offer, but if they are the kind of person that you think you would work well with, and if they have the kind of niche that you're passionate about and excited about, then maybe it's worth making those slight changes to your offerings to make that relationship work because I think working with clients really is about finding a good personality fit and enjoying the people that you work with because you are your own boss. You don't have to feel like you need to bring on people that are going to feel difficult to work with. You can decide who you work with and I recommend deciding who you work with based on that personality fit, but then also, of course, them having a, a good budget that aligns with your pricing and, and also wanting what you are able to offer. But the thing is, there's a lot more stuff that you're probably able to offer than you'll include in those menu options. Like I was mentioning, we've got Instagram podcasts and YouTube as our main offerings, but we will do email newsletter work and Pinterest work, but it has to be for the right person because that's not necessarily our specialty. But when we work with people that want a real variety of things, because I do have a quite a variety in my knowledge and expertise, I'm happy to do those other things but it just has to make sense. And you'll probably find that too as you come up with your offerings. So I would start coming up with your offerings based on what do you know best? For me, that's podcast, Instagram, and YouTube. And then figure out how you could break that down into offerings, like things that people can pick as what they would like you to do. Okay, so that's developing your offerings. Now, the other important part of figuring out your offerings is the third point in my list, which is how to figure out your prices. Everyone wonders this. This is a question I get a lot from aspiring social media managers and social media marketers. People wanna know, how do I price my services? And I get messages a lot of people just saying like, what should my price be? And here's the thing. This is the difficult answer that I have to give those people is you need to do your own research. No one can give you the perfect number. It really depends on where you live, where your clients live, what clients you want to work with, all of those different pieces, because different ideal audiences are going to have different budget points and different places are going to have different, you know, minimum wages, it's etc. So it, it really depends a lot, but here's what you can start with. Figure out, first of all, what hourly wage you want. Now you don't have to price your packages based on per hour. I'll be honest. I do both. There are some clients we work with because we do such a diversity of services. I charge them by the hour. There are some clients that I work with where we just charge a flat rate per service because it's very standard how long it takes and you know, all that good stuff. So you can price your stuff depending on the project or depending on the amount of time. But I think that you do need to think about an hourly wage to get started. Okay. I know we're all in this game of like, I don't want to trade my time for money. Well, you got to start out with that because that's what normal people do. And then you can eventually grow from that. So I want you to think about what hourly wage you want and don't be abstract with this. Think about what you actually need to live. Okay. Get your pencils out. Cause this is where the advice gets really tangible. Okay, and I want you to actually do this, not just think about it. This is my real instructions. Start by figuring out what your monthly bills are. What is your rent or your mortgage payment? What do your groceries cost? What other things do you pay for on a month? Like what, what's Netflix, what's Spotify, all these things. Figure out what you spend in a month just to survive. And then 
You're going to work backwards and you're going to figure out how you are going to make that money. It's taking these real tangible steps and figuring this stuff out. that's actually going to allow you to maybe leave your nine to five, leave whatever work you're doing and do this full time. But you have to come up with a concrete plan. So why don't we talk through an example? This is not at all my personal situation, just because I think it's easier to use these really basic numbers to kind of like illustrate this to you. And also because my personal financial setup is a little bit more complex. I mean, I, I can talk about, actually, you know what? I will talk about that in a future episode. So stay tuned. I'm going to bear all my financial information, everything except my credit card number, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> in a future episode. So make sure you subscribe so that you hear that. I'm actually going to do an episode about how I paid off 30000 dollars in debt in one year. So yeah, subscribe to hear about that. But for now, we're going to just use a very abstract financial like example to make this obvious. Okay. So let's say that your rent is a thousand dollars a month. Okay. And your groceries cost $500 a month or whatever. Maybe you're like, how do you spend that much on groceries? Or maybe you're like, oh, that's low. I don't know what you think, but whatever. Let's say that's what your groceries cost. It also depends on how many people you're feeding. Anyway, I'm getting distracted now by the grocery cost budget thing. Your rent is a thousand dollars. Your groceries cost 500 a month and your other various utilities, subscriptions, and other things that you like to buy in a month are like $500. Again, let's just say that. It's just an example. It might not feel realistic. But anyway, that's $2,000 a month that you need to just to survive. If you don't have that $2,000, you're going to start going in debt. Okay, so you need $2,000 cash flow every month to pay for this stuff. Now, remember, on top of this, you might be needing to factor things like paying off student loans, saving for your future, adding money into your RSP is what we call that in Canada, like retirement savings. So maybe you want to tack on another $500 for those extra things, let's say. So this means that we would ideally like to be earning then $2,500 a month to cover the the $2,000 of the absolute necessities and then the $500 for trying to work towards these bigger goals. So once you have that number, that is where you can really start to figure things out of how much you are actually going to charge because it's how much you need to earn to replace your salary or to actually just live. Like maybe it wouldn't quite replace your salary, but it would still allow you to live, whatever. So you got to think about then what services can you offer that you're qualified to offer, obviously, to reach that number. Maybe you can do Instagram management for clients at a rate of $500 a month, let's say. That would mean you would need to find five clients that you can do that for that will sign up for $500 a month. Or maybe you could provide Instagram consultations, maybe just like an hour consult, and you could do that for a rate of $100, but then that means you'd need to find 25 clients for consults in a given month. You see what I'm getting at? Realistically, and this is kind of more so the the figuring that I was trying to do, is more likely it's gonna be a combination of both things, right? You're not just gonna do one service, you'll probably have a few different things, so maybe you find three Instagram management clients, that are at $500 a month. And then maybe you find 10 consultation clients and then there you go, you've hit that threshold that you need. That is realistically what you need to do to figure out your prices. Okay, that's a way that's seriously gonna help you figure this out quickly and a way that's actually gonna let you potentially quit your job and do this full time. It is easy to romanticize online business and think, yeah, I'm gonna dive in and I'm gonna do 10K months right away. I'm gonna sell out a course. I'm gonna do this premium course for like $5,000 and I'm gonna find all these people. Look, it takes you years to actually get to that point. I think there's a lot of people online like promising these big crazy things, but realistically, you gotta think about, okay, who are the five people that I'm gonna find 
that will spend $500 a month on me? Like, can I name them now? Can I name the 25 people that will do a consultation with me? These are the questions you need to ask yourself because you do need to actually find these people. It's one thing to say, okay, I need this number of people, but then who are they? You got to start pounding the pavement to find them, pounding the proverbial pavement of Instagram or whatever. So start with your basics, figure out what your minimum client load needs to be, and then hustle your butt off to find those people. Okay, it is going to be hard. It took me a long time to start making $2,500 a month. I'll tell you that much. It, it took me a while to get there, but you will. And then we're going to get to number four, which is how to find your clients. So let's dive into that. That really is the big challenge. You figured out what your minimum client load needs to be. How do you actually fill those spots? This is probably the biggest question for so many beginner social media managers or agency founders. How do you find the people who will hire you? Here's how it starts. It starts with word of mouth, which requires you to put yourself out there. You need to tell everyone you know what you're doing and you cannot be afraid to promote yourself because that is the only way you're gonna get started. I never would have got the clients that I did when I did this as a side hustle, if I didn't tell people, oh yeah, I'm working on this video for so-and-so. Then of course it also helped that my clients started recommending me to people that they knew. So it's just important that you put it out there. Don't be shy. This is not the time for modesty. This is the time to hype yourself up. Another part of that is going to networking events. Now, obviously for me, this was pre-COVID. I do think there are still some online ways to network. So it's possible now. I I do get you right. We're not going to in-person events right now. But you also need to know about networking is figuring out when it's worth your time. It can be really easy to waste time at a networking event. Let me tell you, I've been to many networking events where I leave and I realize I didn't meet anyone who would ever want to work with me. But at the same time, the first client that I ever had pay me to do video editing stuff that wasn't somebody that I knew through school or camp or other personal connections was somebody that I met at a networking event. So it can be beneficial. But you can also have times like this where one time at a networking event, I listened to someone complain about how expensive videographers are and how she could hardly understand that someone is charging $100 for a promo video when clearly it could be done for less. Meanwhile, I'm standing there and my going rate at the time was doing $1,000 for a promo video. (laughs) So obviously she was not my ideal client, okay? She was not at all in my budget range and I was like, why am I at this event. Because the one thing I will say is networking events for entrepreneurs, like the ones that I've been to that are often for like, oh, you know, like female entrepreneur support group or network or whatever, you're probably going to run into like a lot of other struggling entrepreneurs. Because let me tell you this, once I got successful, I don't have the time to go to networking events anymore. Now that I have a hundred K business, like I am not going to networking events. Why would I need to do that? I've, <laughs> I've got enough clients. If anything, I would go to a networking event, to try to hire people. Right. So that's not to be disparaging about networking events, because when you're getting started, like I definitely worked with small business owners and people who did have a small budget and that was fine because I was getting started. So it can work, but I, I'm just saying that that is kind of the crowd that you'll often meet at events like that is, is people that probably are not absolutely bawling because they wouldn't be there if they just um, had more money than they knew what to do with. Basically, they're there because they're trying to grow their business. So anywho, networking is still important at the beginning. I'll tell you, it got me a few clients in my early days. Now, in addition to word of mouth and networking, 
Obviously, you got to do what you do best and promote yourself online. Don't be shy, show off your skills, provide value, and keep on sticking to it. If you want advice on Instagram growth, I've got hundreds of videos waiting for you on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Katie. So definitely go check those out. I I think that'll help you a lot. If you are kind of new to the social media thing, you're just curious about it. If you're a seasoned pro, then girl, I'm sure you've got your strategies already figured out. But yeah, I also do have a few creator club episodes that you might find helpful around Instagram marketing. But it's important, if you're going to be a social media marketer, have a good social media presence. You don't have to have a ton of followers, but you do need to have high quality content that shows people what you can do. Next, you're going to start cold emailing and pitching yourself to people. That is going to be another way that you start to get clients. Just like I got that client who's a realtor that wanted to do social media work with me. Now, what I will say you want to try to develop relationships with people so then you can reach out to them and they're more like a cool email or maybe even like a lukewarm email. So it's not quite so out of the blue. The realtor that I mentioned actually was following the Instagram for the podcast that I used to host with my friend. So she kind of knew who I was, which then when I made that email to her, she's like, oh yeah, I know. I know Katie. She's from this. So that can help a lot when you do pair that social media marketing and then the cold emailing with like cold email some of your like followers your potential customers and then it won't be so cold and they'll be more likely to actually hire you because I'll tell you when I did that huge push to try to get realtor clients and do those house tour videos I emailed probably 25 realtors in my city and I got two responses and they were both from people that were following that Instagram account I shared with my friend So that shows you just the power of of somebody even having heard your name before they get that email. They're much less likely to just delete the email and move on. So think about how you can pair your social media work and your networking with pitch emails so that you can hopefully have some more success and the emails aren't quite so cold. Once you've got a few clients, maybe you've hit that minimum client load that we talked about and you're building up a social media presence, you're going to start to wonder how you can truly grow your business to that 10K a month mark and beyond. And that's what we're going to talk about in step five. Number five is how to scale your business. There are a few main routes to really scaling your business. Like obviously, you know, you can make $2,500 a month and that's fine. Like that's a a good income, but you want to probably grow beyond that if you have entrepreneurial aspirations. So let's talk about how you can do that in these few different ways. And really what they come down to is expanding your capacity because ultimately your time is limited. Let's go back to that price breakdown I mentioned earlier. Let's say you get to the point where you have those five Instagram management clients at $500 a month and it takes you all of your 40 hours a week to complete that work. Because girl, don't work yourself to the bone, okay? You can't be pulling 100 hour weeks all the time. I do want you to work towards, and maybe it's more than 40, but I want you to work towards having like a regular work day. It's funny, for all I dreaded having a nine to five, quote unquote, back in the day, I pretty much do work nine to five with the exception of right now, it's 8 p.m. on a Thursday night and I'm recording. But you know, you do what you gotta do sometimes. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, what do you do? when your time is full. You can't fit any more clients in your time. How are you ever gonna grow past that $2,500 a month? There's two options here, okay? One, charge more. Two, take on more hours, which if you do take on more hours, you need to hire people because you you can't work 24 hours a day. Ideally, I suggest you do both. 
Okay, that is the T. You're not just going to charge more and you're not just going to take on more hours. You're going to do both. And that's how you're going to be able to see that increase. If you have a full client roster and people are still reaching out to you, you can start to raise your prices. That means that you are in demand and you could hire more people to help you. That is exactly what I did. The price increase is simply a fair reflection of your increased experience. The more clients that you've worked with over these months or years, that's improved your skills. You have something more to offer and that is worth a dollar value increase, right? And having more people allows you to work on your business and less in your business. That's important. And this is something that I am continuing to try to work on too, because if all you ever do is think about strategies for your clients, it means you won't have time to think about strategy for yourself. And it's important when you continue to grow that you take time to think about your own business plans and and what you're going to do with your business and not just how are you going to help your clients. So that's kind of the stage I'm in right now is trying to just offload as much work as I can so that I can kind of be a manager and see what my business is doing and not just the minutia of of the everyday tasks for clients. So yeah, that is kind of what you need to do when you do a service-based business like social media marketing to scale. You gotta charge more and you gotta take on more hours. And when you take on more hours, you gotta hire people. And you'll notice, I'm sure, once you hire more people, how much more tangible your pricing becomes. Because it's one thing when you are just aiming for a certain amount for yourself. You're kind of like, well, I'll do the time that it takes to get that money because I need to pay my bills. But when you're paying somebody else hourly, then you want to make sure that your pricing reflects that. So just lots of things to think about at that point. That might be down the road for many of you listening, but it's something to consider. And that is really what it takes, my friends, to build a six-figure social media marketing agency. Oh, and the biggest components that didn't fit into my list of five, time and luck. I'll be honest about that. My business would not at all be where it is now if it weren't for my YouTube channel blowing up, which is half good timing half luck, maybe even more like 90% luck. And also the fact that I've been working on it for like half of my life now, which is about 12 years. I have spent lots of time becoming an expert in internet culture, the rhetoric of different social media platforms, the strategy of using the algorithm to your advantage, video editing, graphic design, writing, photography, all of those things that contribute to me being able to do the work that I do and train people to do the work that I do so that I can hire them, etc. That all builds into it. So don't get down on yourself if you're following all these five steps and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, but I haven't made six figures yet. Girl, just keep going. It's going to take some time. Like it took me I, I started my first ever paid video gig within the summer of 20. 15, I think. And now here I am. 2020 is the year that I made hundred K in my business. So, and that's pretty quick, honestly, I feel like it's quick because my YouTube channel blew up. So, and like I said, how much control do I really have over that? I don't say that to discourage you, but actually to encourage you that like, you just got to keep going, just keep working on it. The more time you spend, the chances of you being lucky go up. Right. So just keep going. I believe in you stay the course, You can do it. And if you have questions, always feel free to reach out. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Creator Club podcast. If you listen to this entire episode, I want to know who you are. Send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Steckley so we can chat. Do you want to be part of the official Creator Club? You can join my Insider Squad Facebook group by going to katiesteckley.com slash club. I'd love to see you there. 
Finally, if you're looking for more value-packed content like this, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Katie. Go to my channel and search Instagram hacks, and I promise you won't be disappointed. If you want to hear more episodes like this and support this show to continue, please leave me a review in iTunes. It really helps me out, and you just might get featured on the next episode as the review of the week. Leave your IG handle in the review so I can give you a shout out. Again, thanks so much for listening, and as always, I hope you are having adventures and following your dreams, and I'll catch you next week, Creator Club.